Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Anand Patel. And I'm Naomi Sheldon. And we're your hosts of The Pleasure Podcast. I'm a doctor specialising in sexual function. And I'm a writer with an interest in the internet. We talk to guests to help us understand the relationship we have with our bodies when it comes to sex and intimacy. It's a whole new kind of sex education for your owl... Careful. ...pleasure. (laughs) In our first episode, we talked to photographer, artist and author Laura Dodsworth. Her critically acclaimed books, Bare Reality and Manhood, documenting a hundred photos of breasts and penises, alongside intimate personal testimonies, received worldwide coverage. Her new book, Womanhood, completes this moving triptych in which photos of a hundred vulvas accompany candid interviews to give a powerful insight into what it means to be a woman in the 21st century. I describe them as a collection of photographs and stories. And because they're a collection of stories, it's something you can dip in and out of. So it's not like reading a novel where you commit and you read the whole thing from beginning to end. These are individual little stories, so you dive deep into somebody's inner world, but just for a couple of pages, and then come back out and you can dive deep into the next inner world. Yes, yeah. I really binged womanhood, and it was quite an extraordinary experience for me. Because, as you say... Really, two, three stories, you need a bit of a break to digest them, actually, mm-hmm. because they're really in-depth, moving stories. Mm-hmm. But I, I was going one after the other, and I felt quite overwhelmed, actually, to try and digest them. It's really interesting, because that was a different response to what I had. And I looked at them, and I was initially just shocked. Mm. I'm a GP, I see vulvas every day. It was just such a surprise to my mind and to my brain, just going... There's a hundred vulvas there. Yeah. Bloody hell, yeah. what the hell does that look like? Oh my goodness. And weirdly, it looks so alien to one my experience of what I've seen before mm. on TV or pornography or whatever. My experience when it is in practice and it's sort of almost a sort of laboratory type experience. And then this, which was a visceral one. Yeah. Yeah. So do you mean when you saw the hundred vulvas together as one artwork? Yes. I think it is going to be, for some people, it's going to be quite confronting because. Oh. So. You see vulvas in a medical context. If you don't see vulvas in a medical context, your only point of reference is porn. But then you see a vulva contextualised with a body. It's a sexual context. The whole landscape of the vulva is just about sexuality. But when you see that artwork of them together, they're decontextualised. And I've done that deliberately. I've done that deliberately. So you can look at them all together and you can go, oh, this is what 100 vulvas look like. You can compare. I mean, I was fascinated to know what I would look like among 100 vulvas because as a mainly straight woman not you know I don't work in a medical capacity I hadn't seen 100 vulvas before and I was like oh what will I look like in there I was really really interested so you can compare and contrast and it's I think for a lot of women it will be really fascinating you can work out am I normal or not which is such a big question for women but when you see them all together and there's no spread in a thigh, there's no face, there's no come hither look, there's no underwear, it's totally desexualized. 
for me, it began feeling like a seabed of anemones mm. or a forest floor of delicate pink and beige flowers. And it almost became non-human. Mm. That's why I said alien, because it just looked like if you completely remove all context yeah. and it's this body part that's not shown... Yeah. And you're suddenly surprised with it. I mean, obviously, I know what, you know, when I saw manhood, I know what a penis looks like. I've got one. Yeah. And also I'm a gay man. So actually when I'm looking at it, I'm going, gosh, this is foreign to me. It's a foreign landscape for you. Yeah. And I think that will be part of your reaction, maybe. But as a woman, also a similar reaction, actually. And I sort of had to really check myself. I mean, I think when you see these pictures, it really highlights what's going on inside you internally and the sort of stuff that you've internalised in terms of misogyny. Because when I looked at them, I mean individually rather than the hundred together, I had a real journey. There was moments of horror. I felt horrified at times. Guys, you're not selling the book. No, <laughs> we've had alien horror so far. Come on. No, 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 no. no, no. That's but, a good start. But that's not, the, that's not the end of the story. That's because they weren't fitting into this cookie-cutter, apart from maybe like two of them, the, this cookie-cutter image of what I've been told a vulva should look like. And my vulva would very happily sit amongst those and be and be just as sort of individual and, uh, and an enemy-like <laughs> as the best of them. But it wasn't until I was reading the stories that I felt... I mean, I felt... I had to text you immediately, yeah. didn't I? Something quite profound happened to me reading these. I mean, I was in, in tears reading it because I felt something fundamentally shift inside me. Isn't that weird? Like, no, something weird. in my chest changed. And I went, whoa, what was the, what just happened? What was that? Yeah. And it was like... Um, Something being righted or something, or an acceptance. Something of going, oh, I belong with these. I'm not weird or odd. I shouldn't be ashamed. And I realised properly how much self-hatred I was holding on to about my own vulva. Do you know, you're making me so happy because (laughs) this is my first interview with someone who's read the book. And what you're saying mirrors my journey completely. If we go back to this analogy of the landscape, I feel like I've created my own map now through a landscape of the vulva and what it is to be a woman. Because it's not just this sexual context. It's these are not the porn perfect pussies that we've grown up with and been frankly a little bit tyrannized by. These are just what a hundred women looked like when they took their pants off and they're not aroused. It's just how they were. Because it's not sexual, there's all these other stories we can chart on the map of the landscape. There's, you know, periods, how when your period starts, you become projected into being a woman. There's what it's like to have your periods. And going through to menopause, that was really exciting for me because that's probably around the corner. Um, Birth, infertility, miscarriage, obviously sex and pleasure. Gorgeous stories about multiple orgasms and hot, filthy sets. My God, was I set on a sexual adventure when I'd finished womanhood, trying to, uh, as inspired, let's say inspired. (laughs) But also, you know, assault, rape. It's not radical that women have vulvas, right? We all know women have vulvas and vaginas, but what's very radical is just showing how they really look and talking about them on our terms. And something fundamental shifted in me creating the project. And it started with committing to do it, because that was a big call, Mm. just like deciding I was going to be brave and do this. And then it started with my own photo, because I practised on myself. So, you know, I used birthing stools, I did different lighting setups, I tried iPad selfies. I, I mean, I've taken a lot of vulva photographs of myself now, a lot of selfies. And I remember one of the first times I got Velfies. my big... <laughs> yeah, Velfies. That's a new one. That could uh, catch on. You're welcome. Or not. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Velfie. 
I like it. It sounds kind of velvety and lovely. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I was really shocked by. It's hard to see them. It's a mystery in How do we see our flipping vulvas, yeah. okay? You have to very awkwardly shuffle over a pocket <laughs> mirror and yeah. then try and shine a torch yeah. so you can actually see because there's no good angle for this. Yeah. Or an iPhone selfie, that's never good. Never good. Never good. A velfie's never pretty. Um, or, you know, shuffling flash. up on your bum towards yeah. a mirror that you've placed on the wall. Yeah, yeah. God, I sound like I've been really dedicated to yeah. look at my involver. But, and it's important to have a look and know what you've got. Yeah. But when I got my picture up on, the, on my big, glorious Mac screen for the first time, I was a bit, holy shit, Confronted. there's a lot going on. I mean, I, I almost had to look away. I was like, wow, there's a lot. But it was so interesting because, you know, I look at this map, this landscape of my involver for the first time. And it didn't look like it felt. And I realised it was things like um, an episiotomy I had. In my head, that was huge. That is when the entrance to your vagina is cut when you give birth, if they think you're going to rip. Yeah. So I had an industrial-sized episiotomy, which took months to heal. And in my head, it's always been big. The scar would be massive. Any lover would feel it or see it. Mm. I felt it. Mm. And when I looked, I was like, oh, I can barely see it. I wouldn't know it was there if I didn't know it was there. And I realised what I'd been feeling is the memory. I've been feeling the memory of it. I've not been feeling the scar. And, you know, going through the process of taking my picture and writing my own story, it was so interesting, all the memories that came up. The first memories that came up for me were not the sexual ones. If I think back, you know, what, what do I remember about my vulva? One thing is my period starting was at my dad's house and I had to ask his girlfriend if she had tampons. So, you know, I wasn't with my mum. Yeah. So I become projected into a woman and I got blood in my knickers. My mummy's not there. Oh, yeah. um, and then another big memory was my first miscarriage and feeling like cereal bowlfuls of blood coming oh, out of me into a toilet and knowing that a fetus was going down there. Mm-hmm. You know, these are really, really imprinting big experiences and they're just as big as... The first orgasm, yeah, or the first masturbation, yes. the first time you, the first time you wank. That's what um, really struck me in some of these stories. Actually, I think you um, you highlight it in the introduction as well. Some really shocking stories of abuse, or more common ones about the trauma of starting your period and not necessarily having uh, the knowledge or education of how to deal with knowing what's happening to your body. But equally, alongside some really shocking traumatic things, the joy and the pleasure that these women experience these stories are properly sandwiched with pleasure and pain is is a real marrying of the two Uh, and that feels sort of (laughs) sort of vital and and it's the tapestry of of life isn't it these aren't sob stories or just sort of titillating what an orgasm feels like stories I was just really struck by how visceral it all was, the experience mm. of being a woman. And that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to be part of this conversation. Mm. And whilst I feel like it's not necessarily my place to be part of this conversation as, as a man, it's great listening to you two and then reading parts of the book and going, oh my God, you know, everything a woman experiences is about something internal. You know, there's a penetration or there is an expunging. So, you know, things are coming in and outwards. Um, so therefore it's fully part of your existence. You know what, the most powerful thing my vagina's ever done was not receiving a penis. It was giving birth, okay? It's hard as fucking nails. <laughs> um, I have given birth twice. Now, everybody in this world was born. Everyone's born, it's very everyday, but it's pretty epic when you do it yourself. Whether it's a cesarean or a vaginal birth, whether it's straightforward, whether you have an orgasm, whether it's traumatic, painful, complicated, it's epic. You know, the most primal things we do, we're born, we give birth and we die. I thought it was interesting that on the bottom of the photographs, it said the age of subject Mm. and her status as a mother or not. Mm. And 
as somebody who isn't, I, I'm not a mother, I feel very alive to when motherhood is being used or uh, mm-hmm. being stated as a form of status, I suppose. Like, oh, this person mm-hmm. is mother, this person isn't. It's a sore point, actually. It makes mm-hmm. me quite feel... Rea- yeah, it. I do. I feel, I feel quite reactionary about it. Like, oi, mm-hmm. <laughs> stop that. Maybe it's because people keep asking me, so when are you going to have children then? Mm-hmm. And I, so I feel a huge amount of pressure because I'm 33 now and people are like, tap, tap, come on. But I didn't feel that in this case because it was the story of the vagina giving birth. Actually, it was an intrinsic part of that person's story. Yeah, I mean, there are episiotomies, there are prolapses in the pictures, you can see them. There are women talking about abortion, infertility, miscarriage, pregnancy, birth. It seemed relevant. It's a relevant detail. One of those wonderful things in lots of ways was actually seeing the sort of palette of fresh blood yeah, there's a small flex. It's almost like a mm. it's almost like a most beautiful sort of Renaissance painting. <laughs> but there's this beautiful sort of flesh tones, and then there are these very clear flecks of red there, yeah. the sort of carmine red. And yeah. it's very much the red of flesh blood. And this lady's you know, she mentions in her notes that actually she's she's tried to tidy herself up or yeah. sort of clean it away. And it's interesting that word tidy, isn't it? Because it suggests yeah. that it's not tidy otherwise. Absolutely. Well, you know, out of 100 women, as you can imagine, some of them were going to be menstruating on the day of the shoot. And there were women that constantly said, oh, I'm going to have to rearrange because I know I'm going to have my period that day. And I'd be like, oh, no, please, would you come if you're comfortable? Because this is bare reality. I want some pictures with women menstruating. I, what I decided was for the artwork of 100 not to have blood because I didn't want that kind of distraction. I wanted it to be like this seabed of vulvas. Um, but for the individual photographs that are married with the stories, if a woman had her period, I wanted however she was. If she had a pad, let's see the blood. Um, if she had a tampon, let's see the string. Let's just let's Love show it. Let's show it how it is because like, why hide it? Yeah, we we menstruate. Why yes. why hide it? Absolutely. And and you know you were saying about and about do you have a place in this conversation that kind of as a as a yeah, chat. Absolutely. But I, I feel like it's just so important for men to be part of this conversation. And it's a question to you, Laura, about who do you hope will be reading these books? Because I sat last night with my husband looking at the pictures and he had sort of an earth shattering moment of only being able to see a couple and then going, no, I need to digest this. I, need, I can't I can't be looking at them with the same amount of rapidity as you're able to, because I'd been sitting with their stories for a little while and he had to keep stopping and absorbing it all and then dipping back in. I was really struck by your voraciousness. You wanted to just draw this all into you and actually, as I think myself and Matt had the same sense of, okay, I'm going to take this in yeah. and I must deal with this at a sort of aliquota a time yeah. because it was really challenging. But yeah. what was more challenging though was the stories, the amount of abuse women have suffered, the, yeah. the connection they have to their bodies which are often linked to shame or linked to shame that other people have put upon them mm-hmm. or what society thinks of them or what social media mm-hmm. thinks they should look like and be shaped like. And it's fascinating seeing the, the where you describe them as sort of you know, the perfect pink cupcake ones that you're meant to see replicated in pornography. And I've got patients coming to see me going, oh, I don't like the way that my vulva looks like. You know, they've got lips like spaniel's ears. And I hope I'm that's going, what they're saying, not your yeah, No, no, God, God, of course, God, blindly, can you imagine? No. Although doctors, don't, doctors do not come off well in the book, actually. No. No, they don't. But, no, you know, I, I can say as a woman who's had to go to the doctor about all kinds of 
women's health related issues my doctors generally haven't come off well either sorry it's gynecologists <laughs> unfortunately i'm oh my god slight distraction but i remember having a biopsy on my cervix because i had a positive smear and the doctor telling me that my cervix wouldn't feel pain so i didn't need an anesthetic what i know i nearly fainted and went green and was pretty much sick from pain i mean you could just come across the most unbelievable ignorance slash misogyny as a woman when you anyway there's a couple of things I want to... So you asked me who I will think will read it and how I want to be affected. And you talked about shame. And I'd, kind of, I'd like to pick up on both of those because they're kind of connected. Um, I think that shame holds everybody down. It holds down women. It holds down men. Shame affects all of us. But I do feel, having worked on... You know, I've interviewed now hundreds of men and women about the taboo parts of their bodies. And I think shame is specifically utilised to hold women down. From slut-shaming to female genital mutilation. And we're also made to feel ashamed of being angry. We're not supposed to feel angry about anything. You know, think about the hard time Hillary Clinton got for being... Or, you know, women being called bossy. I think shame is specifically used to hold women in their place. And I'm not saying that individual men are going around doing that. I think there's just kind of forces in society around us. And working on this book, a couple of really fundamental things changed in me. I think I let go of a lot of shame. Out of the three projects, this one had the the biggest effect on me. I let go of a lot of shame. I tapped into anger because I felt very angry on behalf of women who talked to me about assault, childhood grooming and rape. And a a little switch flipped in me. And, you know, a different friend said to me, well, how are you going to deal with the anger, Laura? Will you need any counselling? And I got to the end of the project and I thought, I don't want to let go of it. It's brilliant. It's like a rod of steel that goes through me. I just feel more assertive, more confident about my boundaries, better able to defend somebody else. The other thing that changed me, because I let go of a lot of shame, and because I felt connected with anger and assertiveness, was I felt a lot more sexual, and I felt a lot more in control of my sexuality and more adventurous. So I would say that by letting go of shame and tapping into anger and sexuality, women can feel more powerful. And really, that's what suppressing anger and sexuality is about for women. It's about holding our power down. So I hope women read this book. I really hope women read this book. I'd like it to be a game changer, especially for young women. You know, labiaplasty is on the rise. It's the world's fastest growing cosmetic surgery. And on the other hand, we have the lowest number of women going for cervical smears ever. And the major reasons cited are embarrassment and body shame. So we have got a slightly fucked up culture when it comes to our vulvas. I do think we're tyrannised by porn, perfect, neat, pink vaginas. And so I think there's a real educational benefit for young women looking at the pictures and going, oh, okay, you get a lot of different shape and size labia, different shape and size clitoris, different places, different types of hair, different types of skin tone. I'm okay. I'm fine. I don't need to have surgery that could ruin all my nerve endings and be really expensive and unnecessary. So I want it to be a game changer for young women. I think if I'd read this book when I was 16, I think my life might have been different. If I'd read about the incredible pleasure women are capable of, I don't think I'd have settled for shit sex. If I'd read about the assault, trauma and rape women feel, I'd have understood what goes on in the world a lot more. And I think I'd have been a lot more careful about my boundaries when I was in my 20s especially. I think it's so important that men, boys, read this book. Oh, well, I'm just going to say sorry, the same I, I, thing, I, I, quite. Quite. I mean, I know, no, no, but, you're, no. but I was pausing because I was going to say, but yeah, I want this to be a game changer for women. And I think it's really, I think it's powerful for young women and women to read it and go, I see myself. I see a depth of experience I've not talked about. And it is totally related to my vaginal vulva, which are definitive to me in my life as a woman. 
I would love men and boys to read it, but I think it's going to be super challenging for some men. I think I will get some very disgruntled Amazon reviews. Oh, I think men will buy it and go, oh, look at pussies, how very exciting, ooh la la. And then I'll go, this is shit. A lot of them have got pubes on. These don't look like the ones I see on Pornhub. And they might be a bit upset because I get that with manhood, Um, particularly in the States. People buy the book and then go, this is not what I was expecting and send it back. I was expecting glistening erect penises or something. But I honestly think that a lot of men will read this and go, oh my God, what a fascinating insight into women's lives and women's pleasure. Yes, yes. I mean, this is a game changer for men who want to be having great sex with women. Well, it's interesting. Reading the book, two things came to me very strongly. One is, I, I know, I, I'm, and it's true, when I first looked at these images, shock, horror. And then reading the testimonies, I'm not ashamed to say that I felt sexy <laughs> by the end. And uh, sort of objectively, you might not say that these are sexy images, but alongside reading about really honest in-depth descriptions of orgasms Mm. and about self-pleasure and pleasurable sexual experiences Mm -hmm. I would then glance back at the image of the vulva and I found it I mean I was alive in my own (laughs) I was getting my I was turned on actually oh my god Naomi I'm so glad you said that thank you for being honest right little sharing going on over here too I think you know you've both um, thank you so much for describing the horror when you first read the book. <laughs> thank you. I thought we'd just keep you. it real. No, right. you're, oh, yeah. This book is, a, this book is However, a such a journey. But the thing is, you keep looking at the photographs, you get a bit desensitised to them. It's like, oh, okay, that's what vulvas look like. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I mean, I've now seen 100 up close. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I could do this because I wasn't sure it would be like going into that intimate space with women. Yeah. I started off a bit embarrassed. <laughs> I ended up total, um, I'm not going to say vulvaholic, but, you know, Forgive very me. comfortable, very comfortable. With it. Did you find yourself sort of just Gazing at them. There is a thing well, called vulva gazing, isn't there? Totally, and I, I, that's a that's a whole other really? conversation. Yeah. Oh, cunt worship, vulva gazing. Yeah, the male gaze gets a really bad rep, but there's a way in which it really works. It can be a man or a woman, but for your lover to kneel in front of you and look at your vulva and find it beautiful, it could be a very affirming, Gosh. sexy experience. I have loved it. I have loved seeing the acceptance, affirmation, and desire in a lover's eyes when they look at my pussy. Yes. Brilliant. I think I might end up doing a bit of crying. I can feel that that I need to get through that shame barrier. Which links to the other image or memory that surfaced for me when I was reading this. Is that when I was, I think, 11, we were on a school trip, on a coach, and a boy who I was then to lose my virginity to, only two years later, I I was quite young to start off with, but he showed me my first porn magazine. And we were flicking through pictures. And it was him and his mates around me, and we were looking at this thing. And I was like, yeah, I can handle this. I can, I can handle looking at these photos. And I was shocked because none of them looked like mine. And I looked at mine because I didn't know where my wee hole was, so my mum gave me a mirror to have a look to see where my wee hole where she was. So I was uh, getting familiar with what my vulva looked like, I guess. And none of them looked like it in this porn mag until we came across one that looked a little bit... Uh, there was more labia, and it was just more... It hadn't been trimmed or sort of it, it ruthlessly felt, hollywooded yes and it had a bit of hair and i thought oh thank god and the boy saw my relief and went oh that's what yours looks like that's disgusting it looks like a stuffed kebab and since then since i was 11 and i can't believe i then went to lose my virginity to him i have shame and reading the book made me want to call him up <laughs> and not tell him off but to say do you know what this experience did and how did it affect you? It, it really made that memory surface in a very strong way. 
I can completely relate to that. And a lot of women have had one experience when they're young where a boy described vaginas as fishy or they noticed how many products are in the supermarket that are designed to make you feel terrible about being too hairy, too leaky, too smelly, whatever, too female. You know, there's always this one incident and because we don't have points of reference in the real world, because we don't see them and because we don't open up because there's too much shame, people carry it inside them. It doesn't surprise me at all you lost your virginity to him. Really? Not at all because, you know, there's a way you can read into that that you you might have been looking for acceptance from the first person who made you feel really bad. Huh about your vulva you know he hadn't seen it you gave it to him on a platter a couple of years later that's negative now, for you isn't now it now do you like it now do you like it yeah. I mean I've got no idea if that was going on at all but yeah. you know it doesn't surprise me and you know hearing you look at porn and trying to pretend you're really cool with it well that's totally my experience when I was younger as well so you know we absorb all this because we need to be cool for the boys yeah no I can handle this I can watch porn and at the same time what you're doing is just killing a little bit of your own self-love and therefore a bit of your own pleasure yeah yeah because sex then becomes a performance am I like that do I look like that am I performing like that am I what they want not how do I feel in my body I think a great thing I would like as a result of the book is for women not to think about how they look but think about how they feel yeah because that's what your vulva can give you. It can give you an awful lot of pleasure if you're focused on how it feels and not whether it looks right. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm really drawn to several things that you've said because I, you know, one, it feels like an alien experience discussing this. I mean, I've always understood that, you know, if I'm doing an examination on a woman, I have no idea of how that stretch feels. And, and I try and do things gently. I try and make sure I'm looking at the eyes and the face because that's mm. much more responsive mm. than sometimes the body. You know, I try and wait till they're relaxed, all of these things. Mm. But sometimes it just doesn't work mm. because actually I haven't picked up a cue or they're not relaxed enough or they're going, oh no, it's fine, it's fine. Actually, going, oh, actually that seems not fine. Mm. You seem really tense. Because it's strange. Because of strange things, but and I, you know, I, and I reckon it's weird. This is a dreadful story. It's going to paint me in an awful light. But when I was a medical student, we had to get five signed-off female genital examinations. That's just what it was. So I examined that this is the first time I've ever touched a woman. Mm. I am nineteen or twenty, mm. and now twenty years old. And I put my thing to do things inside gently as I could, and it was extraordinary. And I turned up to the female consultant behind my shoulder and to her two male junior colleagues and went, gosh, it's so wet and warm inside. <laughs> I just thought it was the most amazing mystical sense. I was like, who knew it was like this here? 
<laughs> it's amazing when you have these epiphanies, isn't it? It sounds like you've had no an idea. epiphany. I'm 20 years old, I have no idea about any of this. But I'm yeah. now 42 years old, and I'm reading these stories about how women, um, you know, periods... Well, that was what's brilliant about the lady that brought up in pagan worship, because she was talking about how these are sort of blossomings of her womb. Or, you know, obviously I think of them as a normal purpose. Um, you know, the womb's uh, removing its lining to, to refresh itself for a new potential fertilisation, which is very dry and cold. But actually she was talking about, you know, how it's this wonderful, uh, mysterious, incredible thing. And I was saying, kind of is, isn't it? Mm. Mm. I is. love my periods. That's how I feel about it. You know, really? I won't have them forever. You know, I'll, I'll, I, I'm sure I'm perimenopausal. My periods have gone a little bit irregular. They'll stop at the moment. My periods are part of my life where I can conceive life. It's part of a phase for women. I think women go through phases of life in ways that men don't. Of course, we all go through puberty, but for a girl, starting a period is quite a big deal. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be a time of life when they stop, mm. and you enter another phase of life. I think they're quite amazing. It's, it's a period of my life where I can conceive life and give birth, and luckily my periods are quite problem-free, and... Yeah, I think they're cool. I, part, like, I like my periods. I'm part okay with sharing them. some of these stories is um, that are so powerful is also that we often don't talk about these different phases of life. A lot of women, for example, with endometriosis, mm. don't necessarily know what it is. I've got a friend who mm. definitely suffers from it, but because her mother does and her sister does, has never been to the doctors about it because she thinks, oh, well, that's just my lot in life. It's normal that I throw up and I'm clawing the bathroom floor and fainting with every period because it happens to my mum. And for me, I'm definitely going to go to the doctor because my periods have changed. I now have periods every three weeks rather than every four. But you should just get checked. Yeah, exactly. And and actually, women don't go to the doctor to get checked. They don't have the language to use to describe their body, okay? We we don't know what to call down there. We're all all happily throwing the word vulva around in the pleasure podcast. A lot of women don't know what to call it. They're embarrassed to talk about it. They're embarrassed to talk about periods. It's crazy. I've called my, my, my lady area. I thought this was fabulous. An area. Like, yeah, but, no, but I thought it was like a posh thing. Like, so this might, let me introduce you to Lady Area. Um, <laughs> Lady Area is just receiving visitors. <laughs> I really enjoyed interviewing women who were postmenopausal because I then I could look around the corner. So while I hope this is a game changer for young women, because I can see that they might learn about the stuff I've been through. For me, interviewing old women was like, oh, okay, that's yeah. what it's going to Now, some of the symptoms sound less than desirable. But most of the women who I interviewed who are postmenopausal, they're having sex, they're masturbating, they're fine. Mm. But, you know, in our culture, we don't really see very positive or sexy representations of postmenopausal women. Yeah. You know, there was that French author recently who said that when a woman is 50, she becomes invisible and unshaggable. So, oh, so I've got four years left and then I'm invisible and unshaggable. So one of my favourite menopausal women, she's um, she's 77 and she describes having a vibrator that goes like a lawnmower. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah. that's, Lady that's, the, kind of, lover. that's <laughs> the kind of menopause I'm ordering, thank you very much. I'll, I'll have that one, please. Yeah. I found it really inspiring, actually. There's a quote in HuffPo where you say, I'm in my 40s and wouldn't trade this decade for any other. Age and experience, which for me includes motherhood, with all the bodily changes that confers, are sources of creative inspiration and power. And this is my favourite bit. I'm not a maiden anymore. I'm a mother. I'm not a princess. I'm a queen. Thank you. That is totally how I feel. I'm loving my 40s. The sex now is leaps and bounds better than it was in my 30s and 20s. 20s were pretty shit sex. I mean, sex now is just phenomenal. I know who I am. I'm 
the most creatively juicy I've ever been. I'm the most confident I've ever been. I wouldn't trade my 40s for any decade, but I think people can get to where I am now an awful lot quicker than I did. Because, you know, with all the fantasy around us in everyday life, we need a healthy dose of reality. May I suggest we need my book? <laughs> plug, 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 plug. Womanhood, the bare reality. No, I do. I think, I think you, can get, you can get to this place that I'm in now much, much quicker. Do you feel that, that seeing these sorts of images will hopefully, unairbrushed images, will hopefully make us a little bit more immune to the media image of the, and porn image of the perfect pussy? Yeah, or penis. I, I indeed. think I think so. Definitely. I mean, look, fantasy is really quite lovely. There's nothing wrong with fantasy, and I'm definitely no morality tale. I love sexuality, sexiness, and love sex. But actually, we don't have to fantasize about something that's unobtainable for ourselves. I find my own vulva much prettier than I did. <laughs> I do. Gosh. I think she's absolutely lovely I have a lot of tenderness for myself as a woman and I have a lot of tenderness for my body I mean my god my cunt has given me so much pleasure and babies <laughs> and given my lovers pleasure absolutely phenomenal and capable of, I'm sorry men but capable of so much pleasure yeah so much more pleasure than you than you can <laughs> much, or give, maybe, much longer orgasms well you said that a, fl- a flick switch for you after doing yeah. womanhood could you yeah. tell us a bit about that about this sort of oh. new sexual lease of life really i came to the end of the project and a little green taxi light went on something changed for me i like i said i think i let go of shame i felt more powerful my final interview for the project something actually happened the woman was talking about sex and it was really quite delicious I was loving what she had to say it was gorgeous and I said mm, so take me through what does your ideal sex feel like and look like and she was talking and describing a scenario and it was almost like I was hypnotized I kind of I was like there with her she was describing somebody holding her neck and kissing it and it was almost like I felt it I was really in the moment came to the end of the interview and I was like bam something's changed I want some of that please and I was single at the time and I did go off on a few little sexual adventures I just think I started seeing people differently and I think because something changed in me people started seeing me differently I let go of a lot of shame I felt very inspired to experience some of the things I'd heard other women talk about this has had quite a deep transformational effect on me not just sexually, but emotionally and creatively, psychologically. Quite a lot of things have shifted, but happily, one thing that's shifted has been sex. Okay, I'll give you one secret. Here we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, so there's no such thing as a vaginal orgasm. We know that all orgasms are probably from the clitoris, because the clitoris is a massive internal structure. But I think a lot of us women are kind of chasing, like, well, I, why, don't, why don't I have these orgasms that you, know, you see women having in films in penetration? A quarter of women can have orgasms from penetration. About three quarters of women need their clitoris to be stimulated. You know, you watch any mainstream film or porn, they go straight to penetrative sex. No foreplay. You don't see him going down on her or anything. They go straight to penetrative sex and then they have a a simultaneous orgasm. Honestly, when I was younger, I thought my vagina was broken. I thought there was something a bit wrong with it because I wasn't having those. And I remember the very first orgasm I faked. 
faked many orgasms in my earlier sexual life. And then something changed after womanhood and I seem to be having vaginal orgasms all, all the time. I know, it's like magic. I can't promise that if anyone reads the book they'll have it, but something has changed. <laughs> I can't me. wait to get it. Although that would be a great strap, like orgasms guaranteed. <laughs> Yeah. Or your money back. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, 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 no money back. No, no, no. You can't, no. Promise you can't sell a book like that. No, something has changed for me. I seem to be having more powerful orgasms and um, having orgasms from different types of sexual activity, which is quite exciting. Pleasure is about more than nerve endings. I think because I've let go of some baggage and because I've let go of some shame, I've actually let go of some armour. I think I've built up some armour in my vagina over the years. Pretty fucking traumatic birth some bad sex, some just not very great sex, assault, shame, body shame. I think I built up some armour and I wasn't as sensitive as I had the potential to be. And I seem to have rediscovered that sensitivity. It's like nerve endings are back. Very nice. But equally, you've built up this other armour from what I gather, this warrior-like armour from the collective stories of women, which I feel speaks to me in a sense of what happened with me too of hearing stories going yeah me this happened to me this happened to me and I I was filled with a rage that gave me the energy and strength to stand up for people in a way that I felt that I couldn't necessarily before um, because of shame and various things so I feel like although there's like a vulnerability there that's opening up there's also a monumental strength and a backlog of the history of the women that stand behind you and stand alongside you. So there's this sort of dual thing going on, yeah. strengthening love, and vulnerability. I love that description. Do you know what? You've just kind of clarified that for me. That's what it is. My armour's in a different place. Before, my boundaries were a bit wishy-washy. They were a bit leaky. I had never, you know, I've had plenty of things to be angry about. I never really actually felt angry about anything that had happened to me personally. It's only from interviewing 99 other women I found anger. And it's not a bad thing. It's a brilliant thing. And so my arm has moved. My arm is not on the inside. It's not protecting my emotions. It's not protecting my vagina. My arm is on the outside. I feel like a stronger person, but more capable of vulnerability where it matters, more capable of opening up sexually, more capable of opening up emotionally. And I think a lot of that actually is about sisterhood. I think this is a sisterhood of stories. I think telling stories is an act of giving and receiving help. And we've all helped each other. Um, And when we open up, we can find more compassion and understanding for other people, more protectiveness for other people. And if you feel compassion for somebody else and protectiveness for somebody else, and you do that enough times, you know, you read all those stories, you can apply it to yourself. So I feel a lot more tender and compassionate and protective of myself than I ever did. Womanhood is published by Pinter and Martin and is available to buy from all your usual outlets. Have you got yours out? I've got an advanced copy, sweetie. Oh, show off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Podcast. If you enjoyed this, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the series a boost and help other people find us. Give us five stars, you lovely lot. <laughs> Thank you to Acast for hosting us. Matt Peaver for editing us. Ollie Birch for the music. And Sam Smith for the graphics. Join us next time when we interview another guest for their insights on the relationship we have to our bodies, sex, and of course, pleasure. (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 